0: Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. At this point, you're invited to take out your Bibles uh, and open them to Acts chapter 2. Uh, We're going to read the first 12 verses of Acts chapter 2. We'll also uh, be reading from Genesis chapter 5 and from Genesis chapter 11. Uh, So these are all passages that show our connection to the story in a different way. Uh, Acts chapter 2 is the the Pentecost story, so the the day that we're celebrating. Uh, And in Genesis chapter 5 and 11, we're getting little examples of genealogy stories, and we're going to reflect a little bit of how genealogies fit into the story of Genesis Before turning to God's word, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word and for your life-giving spirit. Open our eyes and hearts for what you have to teach us through your word this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. So today we're looking at the continuing our series and the title is connected to the story. We're going to be looking at first Acts chapter 2, then Genesis 5 and Genesis 11. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the wind blowing of a violent wind came from heaven And filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one, Heard their language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Galileans. How then, or Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia. Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Genesis chapter 5. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. He named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. After he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Canaan. When After he became the father of Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived a total of 905 years, and then he died. And this uh, genealogy continues. Uh, We're going to just have that visual there for you of how much it continues and jump ahead to Genesis chapter 11 of another genealogy. This is the account of Shem's family line. Two years after the flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of Arfaxed. And after he became the father of Arfaxed, Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arfaxed had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. And after he became the father of Shelah, Arphaxad lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he became the father of Eber. And after he became the father of Eber, Shelah lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. And that genealogy also continues. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When the pandemic uh, began, or early on in it, uh, Elisa discovered that there was a free trial for Ancestry.ca. So she started investing some time into it and, and found that she could go into the 17th century tracking her family. And, and it became something that she could say, extra hours in because it was so interesting to see what are our roots. How are we connected? What is the deeper part of our story? Uh, she came across some great images. We, when we look back in the story, we can even see some family resemblances. Here's one, if you can see it. Yes. Uh, you can even see some of the family resemblances here. There are other um, people in there as well that we just like, like I, I want to know these people's stories a little bit more. You could almost be certain that they have uh, something to share. Uh, for myself, uh, I don't really, uh, I never really got into the ancestry.ca thing, um, but on my bookshelf, I have something that um, helps connect me to the story. This is uh, something that my grandpa had passed on for the grandchildren. I I even have a a signed copy here. It's meant for me. And one of the reasons why he put it together, he, he actually has this in the introduction. He says, I have often thought how nice it would be if we could read a letter about the lives of our grandparents or great grandparents. We do, as a rule, not know much about them. We know some things about our parents, but even about them, there's a lot we don't know. Now, it's not my intention to write everything that cannot be done and is not necessary, but we'll start with who we are. And the rest of the pages here give a bit of a glimpse, a bit of a snapshot for the grandchildren and generations beyond uh, of what life was like. Now, this story is important for myself and for my family because it, it gives insight to who we are gives insight to why we are where we are, and it gives insight to who we're connected to. What, what kind of people are we? And, and Genesis 1-11 is that kind of story, um, but there's particular parts that highlight this idea of connection, and that is the genealogies. Uh, when we look at the genealogies, we might be asking ourselves, why? Is this in here? This story had been told for thousands of years. You'd think that after some time they would just cut out some of the parts that were less suited for, for gathering interest from the people. Who, when telling the story, was thinking like this this is going to capture the imaginations of everyone? Nobody is sitting at the edge of their seats after five names saying, what next? What's going to happen? And and when we're studying the the scriptures and we look at it, there's different ways of approaching the the passages like the genealogies. One of the approaches is to look into the details and to see what do the details have. So we could look at Genesis chapter 5, and we could see that it it points backwards uh, towards uh, he made them in the likeness of God, we have the image there? Uh, he made them in the image of the likeness of God. He made them male and female and blessed them. This, this is pointing back to the Genesis 1 passage. Or we can look at what is common throughout the Genesis chapter 5, and we find that each one of them dies. We could say that, that death runs in the family a bit here. That, that Genesis chapter 2 and 3, that that promise that the disobedience of God would lead to death, that that's affirmed here over and over again in chapter 5. Now, our approach today isn't going to simply look at the different details, but we're going to take a broader look at why genealogies are there at all. That's why we looked at two different genealogies, and those aren't the only two. Like, if we look through Genesis, we'll find that chapters 4 and 5 have genealogies, chapters 10 and 11, and then it goes beyond that. You've got chapter 25, 35, 36, and 46 all contain a list of names. And, and that's not the only part of the Bible that has it. There's lots of different genealogies. If you want the longest list, you can go to First Chronicles. It starts off the book with nine chapters of just names, lists of names. And and beyond that, we can go into the New Testament. We can find that Matthew opens up the the gospel with 17 verses of genealogy. Or Luke in chapter 3 has a genealogy in describing who Jesus is. So clearly, genealogies are important. It's important that people know that they are connected to the story. The same benefit is given from these genealogies that we get from something like ancestry.ca, or from our books and autobiographies and stories that we hold on to from our families. This gives a sense of who we are. The Genesis story is, is not just some abstract story About people that we're disconnected from. This is about you. These are your descendants. In a very personal way, it's meant to be a story that informs our condition, our disposition in the world, how we got to where we are. This means that whatever comes before in the story or afterwards should have extra relevance in it. These are included to highlight how we are connected. And our main connection to the story, being out here in Canada in the 21st century, is the story of Pentecost. Today, we're celebrating Pentecost, and we remember this as that big event that draws us in. It's a time where regardless of our genealogies, we are people of the story, engrafted into God's people through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a story that says it's gathering people from the ends of the earth. And not only does it draw us in then to the Acts story, but it draws us into the the Genesis story as well, to the whole story of the people of God. Their story is our story. Now, Luke, who's the author of Acts here, uh, bring some extra attention to the Genesis stories when he tells the Pentecost one. And I'll just focus on one of the allusions back to Genesis chapters 1 through 11, and that is in Genesis 11, in the story of the Tower of Babel. Uh, the story of the Tower of Babel finishes this way that is why it was called Babel because the lord confused the language of the whole world from there the lord scattered them over the face of the earth so in the story god confuses the language of the people the people weren't able to understand each other they were it was causing distance relationally but that's not enough they were also scattered around the earth they're their distance physically as well In the story in Acts chapter 2, Luke shows that we're not just connected, but we're incorporated into the answer of that story. Where pride had scattered the people around the earth, Luke describes the people as gathered. And here we have it in Acts chapter 2. They are gathered from every nation under heaven. And rather than confusion, the people declared that they could hear each other in their own language being spoken. It's it's gathering and understanding that the presence of the Spirit here is undoing what the curse had done. In contrast to the misunderstanding that sin causes The people understand that the spirit filled disciples leads to the proclamation of the good news of the gospel. And and the people ask at the end, What does this mean? This means that we have a language through which we can approach the, the Genesis story. That when we are connected to the Genesis story and we look back to it, we don't just look at it lamenting the sin but we see that we are part of the answer and part of the response to it. We, we look at it through the lens of the Acts chapter 2 story that through the work of the Spirit, God undoes the separation that sin causes. And notice who the redeeming character is here. Notice the, the one who does the redeeming is God. God. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings redemption. It's not the disciples through their their brilliant insights or the hard work that they're doing. It's the Spirit that brings the church into being. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings people together in the midst of their separation. Now, if we were to do a genealogy of the church... We could see a continuous movement of the Spirit working through ordinary people to bring scattering and chaos into flourishing and life. Uh, But doing like a a literal genealogy like that isn't necessary for us because there's there's something more fundamental that, that draws us into the story, and that is that we share in the Holy Spirit. We are connected to the story because God has invited us, that God has invited living hope to be part of his partner people who join in the mending of his creation, healing relationships, listening to one another's stories, forgiving each other, undoing the separation that sin causes. That could lead us to ask ourselves, what ways... Do we do this in our own lives? How do we see ourselves as spirit-filled people in this way? Another uh, aspect of the genealogies is that it signals that time is linear, that, that the timeline is going Somewhere. Uh, This is in contrast to a lot of the cultures at that time that would kind of take the notes of time from the the seasons, that the seasons run in these cycles, and you could apply that to to the lives of of humans and generations, that it's simply going in cycles, or they would apply that to even empires that that rise and fall, and ultimately, there's no real progression. There's no movement along the line of, of human history. But by marking these these genealogies and giving lineage, it's also giving direction and signaling that there is an end point to which this story is headed, that this story does in fact have a direction. And that is because of what God is doing. They assume that there is a redemptive story that has begun, yet in the story of Genesis that they're telling, they don't reach the full extent of what that redemption looks like. And Luke would have been familiar with the story. He would have grown up hearing this over and over again. And when he sees the the Pentecost story, when he sees the Holy Spirit coming on the disciples, he sees this as the answer. He he brings in the insights uh, of how this is connected and responding to the Genesis story. He saw that the story was heading somewhere, and that direction was the church. And this isn't because of special qualities, again, of the church, but because of the victory that Jesus had won, and because of the gift of the Holy Spirit that brought these people in to be able to do new things. And now, if we follow the book of Acts, then, to see what what types of things that Spirit-filled people do... Uh, the focus isn't simply on being able to speak different languages as we find in that first passage. The equipping of the Spirit leads the church into doing all sorts of different things, basic, undoing the basic things of humanity, of separation, of greed, of envy, of pride. They shared what they had generously with each other and with, towards the church. They formed groups that cared for the vulnerable in their community, They went out and they spoke the good news of the gospel with the people that they came across. Our question then for us is how do we do this? How do we show that we are people continuing that story, that we too are people filled with the Spirit? Do we believe that we are empowered with the Holy Spirit? with the living God? For us, it shouldn't matter if we're five years old or if you're 30 or if you're 91, that the Spirit equips each and every one of us. God doesn't depend on our strength, but God works in the midst of and through our weaknesses Our value is not in the story that that we're able to construct, that we're able to build, but in being engrafted into God's big story. As people then connected to the story, how do we claim the story of Genesis and Acts as our own, not only dwelling on our sinfulness, but also open to the Spirit's work in our lives? The last thing I want to recognize here and to emphasize is that that we are a people who are connected to the story together, that that we are a community that's connected. Here's something that the early church understood about salvation, that we are saved into a community. There'd be no such thing as someone that was personally saved and then just went on to live the, the best life that they could. There just wouldn't be a category for that. Salvation was being saved into the body of Christ. The salvation that Jesus gives draws the people into that story. And now we are a people sent to mend the world through the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is where I come into disagreement with people who think that they can be spiritual without the guidance of the church without being part of the body of Christ. We're not simply saved from hell so that we can go on living in isolation from one another. We are saved into a community of believers. And I know this might seem a little bit odd emphasizing this in a time where we are not able to gather as a community in the same way. But I do think that we also need this reminder in this time. The past few months has been harder to remember what unites us as a body of believers. Uh, Potentially there's been gaps in the ways that we trust one another. Uh, Things that have been stewing for a whole year There are places where we disagree with one another on on topics that we feel strongly about. Without our weekly gathering, it might be easier to see how we separate from others on different issues. For those of us, we've probably only seen bits and pieces through social media on what different people's thoughts on things are, and we can get caught up in thinking about what divides us in the church rather than what unites us. We can use whatever is most important to us at this time to decide whether we want to worship with one another. And in the midst of that, I want to have this reminder that we, our primary sense of being united is through the work of the Holy Spirit because we share in the one spirit. We are united it is because of God's grace and through Jesus' death and resurrection and on that basis that we worship with one another. So in summary here, we are a people connected to the story, and the stories uh, can be picked up like the, the autobiographies. Like it, it, it tells us a little bit more about who we are the genealogies, they root us. We are not only carrying the story of sin through Genesis, but we also are brought into the story of God's salvation through Acts chapter 2. So with this in mind, I have a couple of ways that we can be applying this in our lives. My first encouragement is that we go out and pray for our neighbors in our neighborhoods this week. I know I've already mentioned this in the, the announcement video in the beginning, uh, but this is a way that we can live into being people who are attentive to the Spirit. We can go out into our communities and we can see where is God already at work. Or we can intercede on behalf of our communities, praying that the Spirit works new things of renewal in our lives and the lives of others. Now, I also want you to be thinking of how you can be encouraging one another in the church, whether you're in an official role, like a caregiver or an elder or a deacon, or not. We can be looking into the the church directory. We can be looking at our districts, and we can be looking to see, are there any names that are coming to mind that we should be connecting with at this time? Or perhaps... This has been a particularly hard time for you recently, and you feel alone and disconnected. For those that are struggling in this season, know that you are not alone, and you don't need to struggle alone. We have a God who is with us. We also have caring people in our community willing to walk with you. So if, that is, or you, if you are part of that people, feel free to contact myself or one of your elders. Whatever the case is for you, I encourage you to take time to be attentive to what the Spirit is saying. In what ways may the Spirit be speaking to us in this season? Could the Spirit be prompting you to connect with someone else in the congregation? Could the Spirit be prompting you to seek help? Or could the Spirit be prompting you to be praying for your neighbors and your neighborhood? I'll give a moment for some silent consideration, and then we'll pray. Dear Lord... Thank you for the reminder that not only are we part of the story of sin and separation that runs in and through us, but through your work in us, we're part of a story of the renewal of all things. Give us open eyes and open hearts to see where you are guiding us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.